is the Totally Random, Totally Random Sports Show. Here's your host, Sean Lincoln. Y'all ready for this? So three of the Totally Random Sports Show. I am Sean Lincoln. Thank you all for coming. Uh, big week today. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, lots of CFL. Bombers had another tough loss, but a lot of talk about in that game with the referees. Uh, all the other CFL games, we'll go over the NFL. Also, we'll hit a little bit of baseball and uh, talk about Carey Price and might even get to a little bit of college football news. So lots to talk about today. Let's get started. We're going to start, of course with UFC 119. So that was the end of the pay-per-view Saturday. Frank Mir knocking out Mirko Krokop. Not the best fight on the card, but a good finish. So uh, we'll go through it. UFC 119 was live from Conseco Field House in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, the card featured six Ultimate Fighter vets, which was kind of interesting. Um, that show's really turning out a lot of good player, good fighters, you see. But pre-fights were just seen on Spike TV were some of the better fights of the night. Matt Matreon, former NFLer in his hometown, fought uh, Joey Beltram. Be- Joey Beltran. Uh, looked like a good fight. They were both good stand-up, but uh, Matreon won the unanimous decision. He's good for a big man. He is really fast on his feet. Feet. He throws hands really quick, and his kicks are just all over the place. So it's really impressive for a big guy to be able to throw like he did. And he he beat Joey Beltran pretty easily in this fight. Uh, second fight we saw was CB Dalloway against Joe Dirksen, fighting out of Winnipeg. He is Canadian, but he's fighting out of Winnipeg. And this guy's been around forever. He's 46-12, and 12, but all that experience did not help him at all tonight, or Saturday. CB Dalloway beat him with a guillotine submission. Just quick, quick. Uh, CB was unbelievable on the ground, earning submission of the night, and he, uh, he had a guillotine. Third fight was Mark Hunt versus Sean McCorkle, who... Uh, was making his UFC debut in his hometown. And McCorkle came out on top in his first fight. Kimura from the bottom. Uh, really nice. And they're saying it looked like Mark Hunt broke his elbow after the fight. So a huge, huge Kimura. And a good first impression for him. And then the last fight we saw was Tiago Tavares and Pat Audenwood. It was his debut as well. And uh, the veteran took out the rookie with a standing guillotine. Uh, not a bad fight. All the fights on the pre, pre-card were pretty good. And if you weren't going to buy the pay-per-view before, this probably convinced you. It was good fights. Move to the main card now. Uh, Jeremy Stevens versus Melvin Guillard was the first fight we saw. Really good fight. All stand-up. And I noticed this here and a lot throughout the night was the crowd was just really quick to boo and it was surprising especially in this fight because it was all stand-up you know sometimes you expect it when it's a good ground fight but this was all stand-up and the crowd was booing all day 
but it was a good fight. Guillard won a split decision, uh, 29-28, 28-29, 30-28. They just stood up. They threw all day, and it was a good fight. Second fight, this one was a little bit controversial. We saw Sean Shirk versus Evan Dunham. Uh, first round, Shirk landed a big elbow from the top, and this was a nasty, nasty cut on Dunham. And he was just bleeding like a pig everywhere. The corner did a pretty good job closing him up, but not completely. And I think that won the fight for Shirk as uh, he got a split decision. Uh, all the scores are 29 28. I don't think he deserved to win this fight. Dunham had three or four guillotines throughout the night that it looked like it was over, but they didn't. And uh, the judging picked Shirk. Uh, Dana clearly didn't agree. Dana's quote on his Twitter, Dana White said, Robbed. Judging fucking sucks. So, obviously Dana wasn't happy, and the crowd wasn't either. I think Dunham won this fight, but they gave it to the veteran Shirk. And I think it's because of the cut, so. The next fight was Matt Serra versus Chris R- Lytle. Chris Lytle, of course, is in his hometown. This is a rematch from Ultimate Fighter Season 4, which was the comeback. They weren't too impressive in that fight. It was a little bit of a boring fight. Nobody really wanted to make a mistake then. And this fight was not like that at all. They stood up and traded for three rounds. Lytle got the better of them. And uh, took a unanimous decision, 30-27. But it was a good fight. Sarah, a little surprising, didn't even throw kicks, didn't go for one takedown. And I know they were trying to make an interesting fight, but they prob- but he really probably should have. But, you know, it was good. Chris Lytle got the win in front of the hometown. And then the co-main event was undefeated Ryan Bader against Rogero Nogueira, little Nog. That's Antonio's little brother. And, uh... Bader got a decision here, 30-27, and he absolutely deserved it. He beat Noguera all the way. And uh, you got to think this puts Bader, you know, in the top 10. He's, you don't want to say he's in title contention yet, but a couple more wins, and he's there. The main event, Mirko Krokop versus Frank Mir. This was the worst fight on the card by far. It had been a fantastic card up to this. But Mirko Krokrop and Fank Mir just sort of walked around and leaned on each other for three rounds. It wasn't until really late in the round, like you heard, Frank Mir uh, landed a huge knee to Mirko Krokop, pulled his head down and just kneed him in the face at 4.03 of the third round, knocked him right out. It was a good knockout, which was not a good fight. So that was, that was the card. It drew a packed house in Conseco Fieldhouse. So it's a good card. If you haven't, if you haven't, didn't see it, I suggest going to get the replay. All the fights were good, minus the main event. They were really good fights. So yeah, go to do that. Fight bonuses: Matt Mitrione and Joey Beltran each got seventy thousand for fight of the night. Uh, same with Sean Shirk and Evan Dunham. I think uh, Data's trying to make up a little for that terrible offici- or terrible judging, but he gives both them seventy thousand. And also, uh, CB Dalloway, for his guillotine submission, got submission of the night for 70000 Uh Dana did not give a knockout of the night. So yeah, that was UFC 119. It was a good fight. They're next. They have action. October 16th is UFC 120, and October 23rd is 121. You know, they're putting out just card after card, and it's good while they keep doing well, but 
you can't expect to do a card, you know, two, three times a month and keep drawing crowds. So the next one is free on Spike TV, though, so I guess that is the difference. It's coming from London, England. So, yeah, but both of them are a couple good cards. 23rd is uh, Lesnar. Lesnar Velasquez, which just should be a great fight. Can't wait for that. Other UFC news, it was big news this weekend. Chal Sonnen tested positive for some sort of performance-enhancing drug. Uh, he has been suspended one year. And he can't appeal that, and in the past, when fighters have appealed suspensions, it will usually get dropped down to six months, but this really ruins a lot of UFC plans. This The rematch between Anderson Silva and Chal Sonnen was upcoming, and that would have been probably one of the biggest grossing fights for UFC all year. They could have made a ton of money off that. Vitor Belfort steps into Sonnen's place and will fight Anderson Silva. And then uh, Nate Marquardt will fight in Belfort's place against Yushin Okami on October 16th. So, you know, it's really bad for Chel Sonnen. He was really made a name for himself in this fight. He became an elite fighter in one fight because he sold it so good the way he was talking up that fight. And he was really primed to make a huge leap in that division. And he was getting his rematch. But I guess this probably shows us why. No one has ever gone with Anderson Silva before. And the first guy who does, you know, is is cheating. So Anderson Silva's that good. What can you say? So Chalston and out, Vitor Belfort in. Really disappointing for the UFC. But enough of that. We're going to go to football now. Uh, we'll start in the CFL. Great opening game Friday night. Winnipeg, Montreal. Uh, Montreal came out on top 44-40 here. It was just a good old-fashioned shootout. Just both quarterbacks looking terrific. Uh, Giles threw for 324 with four TDs, and Calvillo threw for 447 with five TDs. So it was a really good game. Lob- Joe Lomadon got a touchdown off uh, Calvillo fumble midway through the fourth, and I think everyone in Winnipeg really thought it was over then. Winnipeg had a nine-point lead. It was 40-31, and he really, it was done then. But Montreal came back, scored a touchdown, got the ball back again with uh, just under under two minutes left in the last three minutes anyways, and ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown. A couple just terrible calls, especially on that last drive. Jamal Richardson made a catch, uh little slant pattern, made a catch through the middle, was hit. He seemed to take a couple steps after he made the catch. He got hit and then fumbled the ball. Winnipeg came up with it, but the officials blew it down and called it an incomplete pass. So it's it was a terrible call. Um, it was clearly a fumble and uh, called it. Uh, they called it an incomplete pass. crowd went crazy. It was just a terrible call, and it drew a lot of ire from... The Montreal, or from the Winnipeg faithful. Also, on the winning play, there was it looked to be a very clear offside on one of the Montreal receivers, which has drawn a lot of criticism as well. And uh, you know, a lot of Winnipeg players have come out and just uh, just got mad. I'll read you a couple here. Uh, Doug Brown says, "You can't get fined for sarcasm." I don't think that's a lovely teaching tape for anyone interested in getting involved in CFL officiating. Perfect, flawless performance out there. Uh, so he wasn't too happy. Philip Hunt had a lot. Philip Hunt seemed to be the maddest. And uh, you can't blame him. He says, we work so hard to win the game, and they lose it for us. 
And he went on to say, We think we're going to win when you make an atrocious call like that and change the game. I've never seen such poor officiating in any sport in any league. This is beyond me. I have no more comments, really. So, just a terrible game. And, uh, you know, a couple bombers there are going to get probably their wallets hurt a little bit. But there's a number of calls, uh, especially late in the game, when the Owls were taking that last drive. Um, there was an illegal contact called on Clint Kent on a second and five. And then, uh, yeah, on that fumble, they went crazy. And then the offside that wasn't called. So, you know, there was also, I think there was five either pass interference or illegal contact calls. And, you know, I think easily three of them were arguable. It's a tough game for the referee, and I'm not saying the referees lost it as some of the bomber players were but you know it was really bad for them I'll be calling said one more good one uh, what's the point of working if they are just going to hand the game to Montreal without a doubt I feel the ref did without a doubt I feel the refs did it's a professional league we're professional players and it doesn't seem like that is all around you expect the calls to be equal without seeing the film I don't feel like they were the ref took the game ball for making calls like that. They probably deserve the game ball. So, a lot of controversy. Um, the CFL, as I understand, has already said they made a mistake on the fumble. The Jamal Richardson not fumble, I guess I'll say. But uh, it doesn't, doesn't make this hurt any less for Bomber fans, you know. They've lost too many of these close games, and then to have one decide decided by just poor refing call it's it's tough to swallow but um that's what happened on the positive side for a couple things greg carr made his cfl debut for winnipeg and he played terrifically uh he caught for 185 yards and two tds so a good way to come into the league there and uh ben cahoon on the montreal side with his 1,000th career catch, he got rocked on it, but congratulations to him. This guy never oh, can hold on to the ball like glue, and he is just he's one of the best receivers ever. Uh, speaking of the best ever, Anthony Calvillo. Uh, you just can't put the ball in this guy's hands. 447 yards for five TDs, like I said, just unreal for him. He won this game for Montreal. The third and four, whether it was offside or not, what a great pass. Most quarterbacks there are just looking for a little hitch, get the first down. No, he's throwing, you know, 30 yards, getting that touchdown. So good for him. And another standout for the Bombers was Dion Beasley. You know, I think he had two takeaways, I think, and uh, he just played fantastic all game. Big hits right from the start, knocking passes down, even returned a couple. So good for Dion Beasley. But uh, he was one of the lone bright spots on a Winnipeg defense that uh, – you know, they were put in some bad spots by fissionating, gave away a lot of yards on penalties, but still, 40 points is not like them to give up. So, Or 44, sorry. Not like them to give up, so something, you know. Winnipeg's hopes of playoffs all but died this weekend with the crossover almost falling out of reach. BC and Edmonton both got a win. But uh, it's tough for Winnipeg fans to swallow this loss. Luckily, some of them didn't get to see it. Um, over 26,000 tickets were sold, so not not a sellout, but, you know, 3,000-ish short. And uh, the game was blacked out in Winnipeg. I don't 
understand why you black out. Like, I, I get the whole point. Like, you know, if it doesn't sell out, you got to black it out because people aren't buying tickets. I don't agree with that. I don't know how it helps the CFL. I think that's terrible that it was blacked out. But, you know, what can you do, really? You have to go to the game, I guess. Um, the crowd there, crowd was really loud. might not have been a sellout, but your typical Winnipeg crowd was just making a ton of noise. But uh, enough of that game. We'll go on to uh, BC Calgary. BC uh, was up 50 and nothing at the half. First time Calgary's been shut out since 2007 at a half. And uh, they went on to win 29-10. BC pretty much dominated this game. Uh, Burris, Burris had two picks and one fumble and was replaced by Drew Tate. Neither of them had a really good game. Paul McCallum for BC kicked six field goals. And uh, there wasn't a touchdown scored here until the last three minutes. So a real defensive battle, but uh, a lot of field goals for BC. They got the ball into good position. They were winning. They were winning the position battle all all day and uh, kicked a lot of field goals and had enough to just win it. Uh, Dante Marsh had an interception and a fumble recovery for BC, so a good day for him. And this keeps BC, you know, they get a little heat off their back, get Winnipeg a little farther back from the crossover, and them and Edmonton just seem to be duking it out now for that last playoff spot in the West. Saskatchewan beats Hamilton 32-25. This was a pretty good game, pretty back and forth. Uh, Durant had a good, good, good day, I guess. 418 for three TDs was this good side, but he also fumbled three times and uh, threw an interception. So not so good there. Durant still creating turnovers for himself, and that has to stop for Saskatchewan. Uh, they pull out the win, but as I've talked about in prior weeks, not good for Saskatchewan fans that Durant keeps th- giving the ball away. Uh, Kevin Glenn on the other side threw for 336, two, two TDs, two picks. You know, not bad for Glenn. Yeah, you know, you'd like to see less picks if you're a Hamilton fan. But uh, DeAndre Cobb for Hamilton threw for or ran for 166. Uh, great day for him. But uh, player of the game, Weston Dressler, 139 yards, including he scored a 43-yard TD right at the end of the half that really I think slung the game for Saskatchewan and really put a stamp on that first half. I think he caught it with about seven seconds left to score the touchdown. So, great diving catch. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Um, all the Saskatchewan receivers were really good. Dressler, Rob Begg, uh, Fantuz, uh, Kate's got a few out of the backfield. They all just did fantastic. Hamilton was up 50 nothing in this game, but the Saskatchewan Rough Riders came back. Durant led them for a while, and they took the lead. They were up 32-25. Hamilton had the ball inside the 15, uh, 10 seconds left. Looked like they were going to tie the game. They had a good drive going, and Glenn threw a pick. Good game for Saskatchewan, big win. Hamilton, you know, well, still far ahead of Winnipeg and should easily make the playoffs. So not a huge deal for them, but I'm sure they want to see themselves win a lot more games. It's between them and Toronto for that home playoff date. So look to see that heat up. Speaking of Toronto, though, they didn't do all that much better. Uh, this game was in Moncton, Edmonton and Toronto. Touchdown Atlantic, as uh, TSN and CFL was calling it. Uh, Edmonton came out on top, 24-6. Uh, Edmonton as a team, they had a few different runners run for over 170 yards, so they had a good day for them. Um, it was a real defensive battle again. Edmonton scored their first touchdown 
on defense. And then Calvin McCarty got a couple. Uh, Cleo Lemon threw four picks. Just ridiculous. And Reggie McNeil threw another for Toronto on a nice little gadget play. But five picks overall, and that's just not good enough if you're Toronto. Willie Pyle was sort of the lone bright spot for Toronto. Two, two interceptions and one forced fumble. And he had a huge uh, attack on a third and one that forced a turnover on downs. He's, you know, one of the better defensive players in the league right now, and he really showed it, but uh, didn't help too much. Edmonton came out pretty easily. Toronto got one touchdown in the second quarter, and even the convert was blocked, so just nothing went right for them. And uh, Edmonton came out easily on top with this win. So, yeah, that's it for CFL. We're going to move on to NFL football. Not a bad week in the NFL this week. Uh, a few surprises and some really good games. Um, start with Minnesota-Detroit. Minnesota comes out on top, 24-10. Brett Favre, not a great game, but you know he, he gets a job done with a lot of help from Adrian Peterson, who ran for 160 yards, two TDs. Really good day for him. Uh, early, it looked like Detroit had the lead early. It looked like they were going to give him a good game, and... Uh, Brett Favre and the Minnesota Vikings just pulled away. Uh, Brett Favre threw his 499th career touchdown, so one away from the milestone there, but he also threw threw a couple picks. So not a great day for Brett Favre, but, you know, they get it done. One of the games of the week, you have to say, Atlanta-New Orleans. Great game, back and forth all day. Uh, both quarterbacks just slinging all day. And it's Atlanta that comes out on top 27-24 in overtime. Uh, this game really solidifies Atlanta as a good team and really solidifies Matt Ryan, I think, as one of the premier quarterbacks. And uh, you have to watch out for them now. You know, I don't know if New Orleans maybe played their best football, but the point is Atlanta came out and got the win and looked really good doing it. Matt Ryan threw for 228 yards and a couple touchdowns, and uh, Michael Turner ran for 114 yards. So, you know, Atlanta played great. Um, Drew Brees was his normal self. He threw for 365 and three touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, which isn't Drew Brees-like. His first first interception since week 15 of last year. They were also missing Reggie Bush, which puts a big hit on New Orleans' offense. But, you know, you can't blame it on that. Sometimes you got to let it go. So, yeah, good day for Atlanta. Garrett Hartley, New Orleans Saints kicker, had a chance to win it on a 29-yard field goal in overtime that he hooked and missed. And uh, Atlanta came back and kicked their own field goal for the win. Drew Brees uh, didn't wasn't very happy with his kicker in uh, press conference after the game. Yeah, basically telling Hartley, you know, it's from a ten yards, it's got to be made. And was easily you could tell he was very frustrated. You can't really blame him. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing to do to call out your kicker, but that's what happens, I guess. Next game, uh, Philadelphia. Destroys Jacksonville 28-3. to What a great day for Philadelphia. What a great day for Michael Vick. Uh, a little bit of quarterback controversy early in the week. They flip-flopped for a while of who was starting. It ended up being Vick, even though they say Kevin Cobb is healthy now. Andy Reid chooses Kevin, Co- Kevin Vick, or Michael Vick, sorry. And great decision. He was unbelievable in this game. 291 passing yards, three touchdowns in the air, one more on the ground for him. 
he's looking better in the pocket than I ever remember him. He's just standing in there and just... He's got a laser. He throws every ball with some zip on it, and it's getting to the receivers. I think he you have to give him the starting job until you know he plays bad, and the way he's going, that could be a long time. Just a terrific game for Michael Vick. There's not really much else I noticed in this game. Good, good defense for Philadelphia, obviously, only giving up the field goal. But Michael Vick's a story coming out of here. Just unbelievable. Dallas beat Houston 27-13. Dallas finally gets a win. They needed this. And you finally saw a lot of what, you know, Dallas fans have known all along, that they just have a really good offense, and they just haven't been showing it. But they show it today. Uh, Tony Romo had a good game. The young receivers for Dallas, uh, Des Bryant and Miles Austin, are just unbelievable. And these guys are just going to be a force in a few years. They're a force right now, but in a few years, these guys are just going to be fantastic. Houston, on the other end, gets their first loss of the year. Um, it was a good game. Sure, Houston would have wanted to go the other way. They played pretty decent for the first couple quarters, but couldn't pull it out. Uh, I run down some quick scores. Casey moves to 3-0. and They beat San Francisco 31-10. I guess I owe an apology to KC fans who I said weren't very good in Week 1, but I guess they're 3-0. and uh, They haven't faced a huge test yet, but they look good. Their defense looks solid, and their offense looks solid, so Matt Castle really showing that he is a good quarterback after being behind Brady all those years. Uh, Baltimore beats Cleveland 24-17. New England 38, Buffalo 30. Buffalo shows some life for a team that, you know, no one expects hardly to win a game this year. They gave Tom Brady and the Patriots all they could handle. Brady threw for 252 in three touchdowns. Uh, Normal day in the office for Tom Brady, but Buffalo really brought it. And hopefully, you know, for if you're a Bills fan, it's good to see. And hopefully you'll see a few more of these games. Because if they play like this against a lot of other teams, they're going to come out on top. So good for them. Arizona squeaked out a win over Oakland, 24-23. St. Louis destroyed Washington, 30-16. Huge step backwards for Washington. McNabb didn't look good. You know, none of, none of Washington really looked good. They got scored on quite a bit. Couldn't get their offense clicking. So... You know, Redskins, who are supposed to be a pretty good team this year, just not a good week for them. St. Louis comes in and just gives them a trouncing. Uh, Indy beats Denver 27-13. The story here was Denver's offense lacking. Uh, Denver had six trips to the red zone and could not score once. That is not good enough if you're De- Denver. They have to be a lot better, especially against a team like Indy. You know Peyton Manning's going to score points, so when you have that many chances, you should be able to score. Indy's defense, you know, bend but don't break, I guess. They wouldn't give up the TD. Uh, Pittsburgh beat Tampa Bay 38-13, and this Pittsburgh team moves to 3-0, giving Tampa Bay their first loss. They look for real. Even without Rothsberger, Charlie Batch stepped in today. He uh, threw a pick on the first drive, but 186 passing yards, three TDs. He looked good out there. You know, this team's looking great, even without Ben Roethlisberger, and you're a little bit worried for what happens when Roethlisberger gets back. Cincinnati beat Carolina 20-7. to Good win for Cincinnati to get. They needed a few wins like this. San Diego fell to Seattle 27-20. Seattle won, but I have to talk about Phillip Rivers. He just looked absolutely unreal today. He was... Just especially the last few drives, just slinging the ball at will. 
did not look like he could get stopped. Ended up getting stopped in the end zone there on one of the last plays. But uh, he sets, sets a franchise record for pass yards. He got 455. He just looked terrific. But uh, Seattle pulls it out. San Diego had five turnovers, which didn't help. But uh, Seattle, you know, did what they had to do and got the win. Tennessee beat New York 29-10. Giants fall again. Eli Manning with uh, two turnovers in this game. He has eight turnovers just himself in the first three games. So he has to be better. You know, he's supposed to be one of the premier quarterbacks. He can't be uh, turning the ball over that much. That's six picks and two fumbles for him. So that's something to look at if you're a New York fan. Tennessee is just an entertaining team to watch. I really like this Tennessee team. They're playing, you know, smash mouth, in-your-face football. They're going to hit you. I think they got a few late-hit penalties, which they'd want to eliminate. But they were just all over the New York Giants. Just always hard hits. And I really like watching this team play. They're very entertaining. The late game Sunday was uh, New York Jets, Miami. And the Jets came out on top, 31-23. Highly contested game. Great game. Of course, the main story going in here overshadowed the football was Braylon Edwards' DUI. Earlier this week, he got pulled over and blew double the uh, allowed limits. So there's little talk of if he should play or not. He didn't start, but he got got quite a bit of play time. Uh, Two receptions he made for 87 yards and a touchdown. A good game for the Jets. A little disappointing for Miami following their first loss. Uh, both these teams are 2-1 and one now. It's a big rivalry game, and neither of them really want to lose at all. So, tough one for the Jets, to, or tough one for the Dolphins to swallow. But uh, they played pretty good. You can't, you know, can't take anything away from the Jets, but both teams played good. I look forward to this rematch in a few weeks. It's going to be great. Yeah, the last piece of NFL news I was just going to go over. The Ravens coach fined 15000 for making contact with his official last week. That was on uh, the Ray Lewis tripping penalty. When he was trying to explain what happened, he just sort of, you know, knocked his hand against the official by accident. Fifteen grand. It seems uh, pretty expensive, but, you know, I guess it's it's true. You cannot touch an official. Even if it's a mistake, you know, you got to be more careful about that. We're going to move to baseball now. Uh, just quickly, a couple things. Uh, the Twins have clinched their sixth division title in nine years. So, good for the Twins. There's a little debate, though, of if it's too early. And, they, of course, you're not going to go out and tell a team to lose. If they win games and they clinch, they clinch. But uh, the Twins have lost 16 of their last 19 playoff games. It's going to be a tough one for the Twins again this year. Uh but I think the break is good for them. They can sit Joe Maurer for a while. He's struggling his back, or they have a few other injuries. So uh, hopefully they come back. They have got their new stadium this year. Hopefully they can come back and play a few home games in there for the playoffs and, you know, make it past the first round and get some wins in the playoffs and really prove they can be a good playoff team. You know, the Rays and Yankees, although both are expected to make the playoffs, both teams' magic number is one. This is looking like a great race to the finish here. They had a good series this week. The Rays, I think, won a couple. Uh, Yankees lost that series and lost first place because of it, but uh, they're half game back now. Uh, the Rays will have the tiebreaker if they tie. They have they have won the season series. So uh, just an g- interesting thing to watch. You kind of assume these two are going to end up hooking up in the playoffs, so it's going to be an exciting end of the season here for a lot of teams and uh the MLB playoffs are looking good of course you know the NL not looking as exciting you sort of expect the Phillies with Cole Hamels and Roy Halladay Roy Halladay gets uh, his 20th win I should state really good for him first uh 
first Phillies pitcher to do that in a long time. So good for Roy Halladay, the good doctor. It's nice seeing him doing well uh, as a longtime Blue Jays fan. It's tough to see him go, but glad he's still doing well. But yeah, the Phillies are probably just, they're expected to just walk through the NL and they should, you know, advance through there pretty easily. The AL is going to be the more exciting one. Jose Bautista reached his milestone this week. He's at 52 now. So congratulations to Jose Bautista. And uh, like I was thinking last week, we didn't. it wasn't as huge of an event as we thought. You know, Blue Jays fans took it pretty big. He got a pretty good thing at home. But, you know, not getting a lot of national news coverage from it, which is disappointing. But I guess that's a new era in home runs. And uh, just another milestone, Bobby Cox got his 2,500th win Saturday. So good for him. Braves. Braves long-time ma- uh, manager. Getting up there, but he's still winning games, and the Braves are looking like they could still make a run at the playoffs, so good for Bobby Cox. Now, uh, enough of baseball. We're going to move on give to me hockey. Preseason started this week. You know, kept my attention for a couple days. I've been watching some of it, but it's just like preseason in any game. You're not all that excited. You're excited to have it come back, and then once it comes back, it's not as exciting anymore. You're waiting for the regular season. Big story was Taylor Hall debuting. He scored, but uh, the ma- the bigger surprise in that game, the debut of Magnus Bjørvi-Sensen for Edmonton. He had a hat-trick and an assist. Just looked terrific. Um, this Edmonton team looks really bright. I think they're 4-0 now. They won again. Last night, with Eberle scoring a few, Eberle and Hall playing on the same line with Sean Horkoff, they look terrific together. Uh, I think all those guys are going to have to be on the team this year. And, you know, they're undefeated. I know it's just preseason, but you got to look, they're winning games, and it's good for the rookies weren't learning how to win games. Really good for them. And, you know, this is going to be an exciting team to watch. I still don't think they're going to be a great team, but they're going to be really fun to watch with all this. they got a lot of young speed, and they're going to be a lot like Colorado last year. Just a team, team of young guys. They're never going to give up. They're going to go, go, go. And, you know, hopefully they'll get some wins. So uh, looking looking good for Oilers fans. Um, one of the main stories to come out of this first week as well was uh, Carey Price. And not starting his season good again in Montreal, which is disappointing. But first game, uh, a 4-2 loss to Boston. Carey Price gave up four goals on nine shots. And it's just same story, different chapter, it seems, for Carey Price. He can't seem to, you know, buy any good games. And with the way Montreal fans already thought of him, especially after the trade of Halak, they weren't happy beforehand. And he just got booed out of the building here. And, you know, he fought back in the media a little bit, (laughs) trying to tell everyone, you know, it's preseason, just let it go. But I don't know. He's really going to have to step up, or I I don't think he can last in Montreal. It's too much. You know, he already has the crowd against him, and when that when that crowd is against you, it's just going to be really hard to get them back on your side. It's disappointing for him. Last story of the day, it's a fun one. We're going to uh, college football. Yeah, you're not going to hear me talk about college football a lot, but with stories like this, how can I how can I resist? Ohio State beat Ohio 43-7. But uh, the main story here was Ohio's mascot, Rufus, tackled the Ohio State mascot, Brutus. Rufus and Brutus. But, uh, you know, coming out of the tunnel and 
the Ohio mascot just lined up Brutus and took him out, and it sort of escalated and got into a little bit of a shoving, I wouldn't want to say a fight, but a little shoving match in the end zone. So the better story of this, the student who actually doesn't go to Ohio, he goes to a nearby college who is who plays Rufus, uh, his name's Brandon Hanning, apparently says he only tried out for being Rufus so that he could tackle Brutus. So, a great little piece of just fun sports here for you. Um, there is a YouTube link. I'll put it in. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Mascots are always fun. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, keep keep joining the Facebook page. Totally random sports show. Send your feedback. Uh, give me something else to talk about instead of just running my mouth for you know forty minutes. Follow me on Twitter. It's oilcan10. Uh, and like I said last week, we're on iTunes. It's a lot easier to get it if you subscribe, if you subscribe through iTunes. It's uh, they subscribe once, totally free, and it'll automatically download to your computer. But uh, besides that, thanks everyone for listening. You know, invite your friends. Let's get this going. Same thing I always say. But uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, see you all next week. Hopefully, have a good week. Bye, guys. Directed, let's begin. Party on, party people, let me hear some noise. DC's in the house, jump, jump, rejoices. There's a party over here, a party over there. Wave your hands in the air, shake the dairy, yeah. These three words mean you're getting busy. Whoa, that is Hitman. Ooh.